All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Geek Garage podcast, the most inclusive and accessible nerd culture audio program on the interwebs. I'm your host, David Dassaw. And with me, as per usual, is my sexy and sultry co-host, Zach Wills. How are you doing, Mr. Zach Wills? Mm, musky. I am musky. Musky? How mm. so? I smell myself. You ever have one of those <laughs> days where you, get, you just smell yourself, where you've just been outside all day? You mean like you haven't showered and mm-hmm. you, yeah. you can smell yourself? Been to the yes. park with the kid and then I ran errands. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, also, kind of like when, you, when you're when you outside with neighbors and they have like a, a fire going and you just come in and you're like, man, I just smell like a walking bonfire, basically. Yeah, that happened the other day. I actually sat around a fire for the first time in a long time over at a uh, oh, yeah? friend of ours house up the road. Now I want a fire pit. So that's something I got to <laughs> do now. Yeah, they're... Um... Tis the season to get one. Uh, oh, actually, nice. I, I think I don't know if the prices go up or down um, uh, throughout the year, but if they do, I'd imagine like spring or summer would be the time to get one. I, I don't, I'm going to build one. Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, do that. We we did that actually in our previous house because uh, it was um, old and we didn't really care what happened. Uh, we just built it in the middle of the kitchen. Cause uh, that's where you're supposed to do it, right? Just Excuse fire pit, me. Right? Nah. <laughs> Good. No, God. we just we dug a giant hole in our backyard and just laid bricks around the hole. Uh, that's and basically it, what I'm I mean, gonna do. Yeah, I mean, we, like we made it nice, like we didn't make it look janky, but uh, I don't know. We, we might end up doing something like that in, in our new house, but it. So that's something uh, that's along the lines of what you guys want to do. No, well, what he what what he had over there was like a, a paver pad laid out, but in the middle was like this cutout hole that was dug down a little bit, and he just bought those like stones that you would put like around a plant or maybe mm. a tree or something like that, and just made right. it about I don't know maybe like two feet or a foot and a half or a foot up, right? And okay, it was perfect, nice little fire pit, not too big. You know, you're not going crazy because this is residential; you can't do it like you're right. You know, outweigh in the burbs, but yeah, yeah. I, I want that. Welcome to yeah. Dad Talk. <laughs> this is very much started out like dad talk we're, dad we're fix- ass podcast we're fixing to break out the uh the the white new balance uh with the <laughs> <laughs> with the tube socks uh, with the white balance uh, new balances grass stained because we were just out there mowing the lawn and yeah uh back off okay. my uh back off my uh my grill this is <laughs> back off my, my- grill my Traeger smoker. No, this is a uh, perfect down here in Florida. I don't know how it is right now. Um, up fucking there. cold. Yeah. But down here it was fucking like, it was like 72 today at the park. Hell yeah. Yes. That's nice. Uh-huh. That sounds great. Yeah. It's, uh, starting to get chilly here in uh good old Tennessee. Um, is, uh, I was out walking the dog a few minutes ago. Um, and it was about 44 degrees out. So yeah, that is pretty chilly. Little- huh? A little chilly, but it's all right. I, I don't I don't mind the cold as much. Um, I so. transitioned to my to my fall wear, which is basically the same sweatpants, shorts, the same t shirt or tank with a flannel over it. That is my Florida <laughs> winter wear. <laughs> Florida Stanley smiles. Florida Stanley <laughs> is who you want on your Florida team. <laughs> uh, I just got to that episode of The Office, but uh, oh, I, lo- I love those. Yeah, uh, it, when he pulls up in 
the red convertible or whatever. He, and uh, Jim's like, whoa, Stanley, did you just come back from burning down a rival nightclub? <laughs> <laughs> pulls up to pulls up to the girls in the, in the car. He's like, nice weather. No, <laughs> nice weather. What happened? <laughs> Y'all want to have some lunch? <laughs> uh I, I wanted to see more of Florida Stanley. It's it's so funny when he gets into those uh, funny moods like that. I fucking love Stanley. He's yeah top top three probably characters. Really, that's a, that's a first. I, I've never heard that. How can you not like Stanley? It's uh, I I don't see how you could not like Stanley. I'm it's. But he has such like a small role in the show compared to other people. Yeah, I feel but like he, he's but he's he's one of those that's like you notice if he's not right. in an episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because he he usually has at least like three or four lines in each episode. Yeah, I, and he's I, he's I great with fans too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. He uh, I think he actually does the con circuit every once in a while. I've like, seen it. Yeah. A, yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he seems like a legit cool guy, uh, Leslie David Baker. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, the office is not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, what we are here to talk about is the brand new Dune movie that came Dune. out. Dune, um, or Sand the movie. Uh, I I don't know what they call that, <laughs> but yes, best Dune Part Marvel One. movie I've ever seen. It, it definitely has quite a few, um, well, actually, what is it, like three, at least three Marvel actors, right? We have two, two obvious ones, and when Aquaman <clears throat> punched the worm so hard that it exploded, I thought that was just fucking radical. <laughs> and when Dave P- Batista also punched the worm, so cool. I don't know what movie we you were watching. Spoiler, but- spoilers, guys. A lot of worm <laughs> punching in this one. <laughs> okay well that didn't actually happen but yes uh definitely spoiler alert uh but yeah w- let's see there's um oscar isaac who's going to be in moon Knight uh coming up soon whenever that is there's zendaya him, zendaya yeah oscar isaac is great zendaya zendaya do you know how to pronounce her name is, i is do it not Zend- okay well, uh, someone can um, be like, mm, actually, it's neither. Um, if if you want to come at me on the internet, nope, don't. Um, we don't care. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you said, uh, well, let's see, Aquaman. Of course, that's DC. And uh, let's see, the uh, and then Dave Batista, who's in uh, Guardians. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, oh yeah, and uh, 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 Skarsgård. What's his name? Um, I was about to say Bill, but that's um, Stellan Skarsgård. Is that him? Yeah, he played uh, the yes. Baron. Which I yeah. was really curious how they were going to make the Baron in mm-hmm. this movie. I haven't seen the original 1984. I think it was Dune, but yeah, having read either. the book, the image they paint of that sadistic, sadistic. Sorry, I told you it's a drinking episode. Son <laughs> of a bitch. That yeah. was, uh, they really toned it down for the movie, which they probably should. Cause he was a sick motherfucker in the book. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a scary fuck in the mm-hmm. book. Like, yeah. uh, so you, uh, did you say, I know you said you haven't finished the book. Neither have no, I, um, no. did you read any, or, or did you read it or did you listen on audiobook? I read it just, uh, okay. with the downtime that I have in some of my days, um, made it probably 
three quarters of the way through like where that where this movie ends which i assume is a part one and it might have even said that in the title sequence yes. um yep, it is i got about one. probably 50 percent through what's probably going to be the next movie but having seen this one i'm definitely going to go back and do some rereading because okay that's that's just really gives me something to cling to in my mm-hmm. mind when i'm reading i love watching a movie and then reading the book i don't like doing it the other way around Interesting. Yeah, I uh, that's you know, that's not a bad way to go about doing it. I I can see merits on both sides. Um, And, you know, I I, got to say, like it, there is something to be said about having like a mental picture in your head of like who like if you enjoy that, if you like having those those mental pictures preformed for you oh, I and do. then you can just like place them in the book while you're reading it's, um, not, it's but, not even for that it's like even for like some of the pronunciations and the names sure. of things and it gives you a yeah. voice oh, that, yeah. that your mind can cling to which by the way i just found out not everybody has that voice when they read things did you know that i just you, found that out like you when mean? you read is there a voice in your mind um I think so. Uh, Yeah, I I think I feel like that's pretty common, right? But for some people, there's not a voice, apparently. Huh? Yeah, weird, right? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm pretty sure I have one. Um, Although most of the reading I do nowadays, and this includes Dune, is going audiobook style. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Yeah, I I mean, just with um, I don't know, like being on uh, the podcast kick for the last, you know, five or six years, uh, diving back into reading is just so much simpler to, uh, to do audiobooks instead, uh, because I can multitask while I'm listening. Like I can do laundry and uh, like menial tasks, God, like house no, chores. I really need um, to get on that. Um, it, I mean, it, for me, it just works out that mu- uh, much better. And I actually, I found that I actually have better re- uh, co- like reading, quote unquote, reading comprehension and understanding um, if I am multitasking while listening and doing something hmm. menial, like folding laundry or something. Like a fidget, how people like fidget with a pen or something. Kind of. Like yeah, uh, it, is, it, it is very uh, much like that. Um, but what I was going to say, uh, and then we can move on from this, um, at least we're on topic, right? No, let's just <laughs> talk about this for like an hour and wrap it up. That'd be great. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. We, jokes on you. You thought you were tuning in for the movie. Ha ha fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, we, uh, when I was listening to the audiobook, uh, the first speaking part for the Baron, uh, I was like, why is this? voice sounds so familiar you know who the fuck it is james earl fucking jones of course it is i was like holy shit like they got james earl jones of course it is i was so pumped i was like holy shit that's awesome like and and, like it just made the baron like that much more menacing oh Uh, god menacing character yeah um i was I was petrified anytime he came on and, and had speaking parts. I was like, Oh, gave me, gave me the willies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, anyways, so, you know, like we said, we're, we're here to talk about Dune, uh, this week. Um, they, uh, th- this is of course part one. Um, and, uh, I guess we'll do Dune part two 
in about two years or so. Uh, that's when it's, <laughs> it's slated to come out, uh, which is great. Uh, you know, they they greenlit it like the Tuesday following um, the uh, the opening of the movie. And how did this um, do when it dropped? Box, uh, box office wise, great. Um, I uh, our buddy Ted he gave me the numbers. I think that weekend. Hang on, I'm Googling it now. 41 mil. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Um, which I believe is just theater, which is great. Mm. Uh, and, and it did like a, a metric shit ton of streams on HBO Max. Oh, obviously. Um, I wonder how so, many signups they got just because of Dune. Uh, I don't know. I'd be curious to find that out. I, my guess is that everyone that wanted to sign up for HBO max because of these same day theater releases had already done so by this point, because they've released a lot this year. Uh, you know, they, they had, um, I think the first big one was, uh, like the, uh, the Godzilla versus Kong movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had a lot since then. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's just my thinking is that most people by this point already have HBO that that wanted HBO, but yeah, uh, you know, there could have been a definitely good cross section of people that got HBO Max just for this movie. So, before we get into um into talking about Dune, um there there has been a few nerdy topics uh in the uh, the geek sphere uh, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, uh, Zach, do you know much about this whole Facebook rebranding thing? Have, have you looked into it or did you watch the live stream the other day? No, I, I've only seen through passing. I kind of get it and I kind of saw it coming just from having my ear, um, to crypto lately. And okay. trying to pay more attention to that because NFTs are going to be a big part of this. I gather mm. um, non-fungible tokens. Don't ask yep. me what it is. Cause I can only tell you about 5% of probably what it actually is. But um, having played around in crypto lately, I have picked up a little bit just because those same people who talk about that shit are also talking about this shit. So it's going to be a mm. thing. Um, this is something I think that's been coming for a while. And okay. this is like that that first layer I gather. This is our first like look at what that's going to be. It's like Dwight's second life, I think. It's kind of it's kind of what I'm gathering. Right. So is Facebook like legit changing their name to Meta? Like is the name Facebook completely going away or is Meta the this this new new thing that they're bringing in in addition to Facebook? The headlines, the grabby headlines that I saw without looking into it is they're rebranding. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if that's true. If somebody out there is more informed on this than us, please speak out in the group because I have no fucking idea. Honestly, I, <laughs> I've been wanting to get like the Oculus and stuff like that and, and kind of play around in the VR stuff. I don't really don't know why I haven't. Um, there's a Best Buy right up the road. Um, well, it's expensive. Oh shit! Is it really? I I, I knew it was uh, gonna. I knew it was gonna be. I a hard assumed. Hit, yeah, I, I assumed. I, they did. Uh, speaking of Oculus, they uh, did you see they re-released Resident Evil Four for um, Oculus and fuck that. 
too. Like I saw, um, it, it was a little get a little bit of gameplay, but it was mostly just like a a trailer for the game for Oculus, and they they have like these little holsters now. Um, I, I guess that you put on your belt or something. It's supposed to be like a belt holster thing, okay, and just to make it more immersive. This is and... gun safety, Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the rootinest too. Okay, I can't do this. Um, See how many office references we can just fucking wedge <laughs> into every episode. Right. Uh, I think we're up to what, like at uh, least at five. Least two, right. Um, no, it, it looks pretty dope, though. Um, I, I I really do want to experience it, but I mean, to have like that second life level of immersion, mm-hmm. I get it. But I think there is a certain level of, eh, maybe that can be bad for society. I don't know. This is getting all like conspiratorial and stuff. I don't really know, but sure. I, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with it, but whether I'm comfortable with it or not, it's coming mm-hmm. and it's going to be very popular. And from an investment standpoint, I'm going to try to learn more about these NFTs and I think there's a lot of opportunity out there just like there is in crypto right now. Crypto is just bonkers right now. Yeah. And I think with this, this Facebook meta thing, it's, there's going to be a lot more of those Dogecoin millionaires, those Shiba Mm -hmm. millionaires, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, one other thing that I noticed, uh, or this was just announced, I think yesterday or today, but, uh, and this, uh, as a recording, it is um, November the 2nd, uh, but Boondock Saints 3 just got greenlit, which I'm really excited about. Apparently, um, everyone, it, it's a thing now to like shit on Boondock Saints. Why? Uh, and to, I, I don't understand. I, I don't get it. People like <clears throat> when when I was growing up in these movies, like they they started garnering the uh, that that cult following like people were all about them. And then all of a sudden, like a few years ago, people were coming out of the woodwork and being like, like you actually like those movies. Those movies are so fucking stupid. And like, I get it. Like the sequel wasn't fantastic. Like how do you follow up the original boondock scenes? Like, you know, it wasn't necessarily made to be a franchise and, mm-hmm. and you know, they, it was, it was okay. Um, but still like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited for a third one. Hmm. Um, I don't think I saw the second one, but I don't like. I remember the same type of dude with like a capital <laughs> D. Yeah, that liked the Boondock Saints. Also took Fight Club way too seriously. Sure. So I can get why it's got some stank on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But as a as a fun movie. That was a it was a real fun movie in my opinion. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, it's you know, it, it's it's people, uh, two Irish dudes, that just decide to you know start killing people because they're bad people. It, it's like Dexter, Vig- but a duo, vi- little vigilante justice. I mean, that, that makes everybody yeah. feel good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I'm. Personally, I'm pumped for a third one. I, I don't know how you feel about a third one. I, I guess you need to watch the second one. Yep. Don't maybe. care until I see the second one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, the second one definitely is worth a watch. Like I said, it, it's, you know, it's hard to beat the the original. But 
yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely worth a watch. So, uh, do you have Zach? Do you have anything else before we jump into today's topic? Yeah, I actually okay. do. Um, you you partake in any of the uh, craft beers? Um, judging by the beard, I feel like you would dabble mm-hmm. in the craft beer scene a little bit. Uh, one hundred percent. I I wouldn't say I exclusively drink craft beer, but mm-hmm. uh, it is for the most part what I get like nine times out of ten when I go to yeah. the grocery store. Well, this little town that we live in—I don't know if I told you or not—has like eight little bre- eight breweries in it within like yeah, a few yeah. mile radius, right? Like, yeah, it's just like for some reason that. Tampa Bay is just over the top with these fucking craft breweries. But let me introduce you to um, I'm just going to give you I'm just going to give you some flavors. Uh, black cherry sour ale. Okay. Cherry lime sour ale. And keep in mind these are all sours. Uh, blue raspberry sour ale mm. and a uh, watermelon sour ale. Is this digging deep into that subconscious at all of yours? Is that is that back in your uh in your brain because I want to tell you about Warheads Extreme Sour Sour <laughs> Ales is apparently a thing that I saw at our um local liquor store we have here and i i almost got it and i'm kicking myself now because i would have fucking cracked one right here and tried it because just looking at looking at these things i can just it looks like diarrhea i mean it looks like it's gonna just (laughs) rip my stomach up but i i really i'm a warhead fan so i would eat those things until my tongue bled when i was a kid like the sour candy you know right yeah and i don't like sour beers wife loves them i hate them but um I think so, ma- so maybe this... I'll go get some in the next podcast. I'll I'll crack one of these terrible looking beers open and try one. Yeah, do it. So so is this like actual like the actual Warhead brand? Yes, yeah, like... this is the Warhead brand. Yeah, it's got Damn. the same here. I'll show it to the camera. It's got it... the same uh, logo and everything on it. Oh yeah. man! Wow. Yeah. Uh, it... <laughs> they is got, it? Poss- they got into the beer scene. Is it possible for uh, for you to send beer through um, the United States Postal Service? Uh, because I would like yeah. some. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Like, or really, if you can't get it down there, I'll send you as much as you want. But I, I, I'll, I'll get some, and then I'll uh, I'll try one here. I'll send it to you, and we can try it together. Yeah. Um, what uh, what store uh, did you? It's a find it's it a at? local place around here. Oh, I don't know if it's local okay. or regional, but it's called Lucan's. Hmm. L E U K E N S. There's a okay. few of them around here. I assume they're probably regional. I don't know, but sure. Yeah. It's okay. A, I I just happened to be wandering by and I saw that. And I took a picture. I was like, no fucking way. This is a real thing. And I I'm kicking myself for not getting it now because I <laughs> I, I don't drink sour beers for one and two. I can't imagine this is not going to rip your stomach to pieces. Yeah, I. I... Every once in a while, I will get into a sour beer. Um, like I'll, the mood definitely has to strike me though. Uh, but you know, every once in a while, I'll be in this store, just like you know, perusing the craft beer aisle, and I'm like, you know what, a sour beer does sound good. Um, and then I'm like, I really wish they would sell these in like the forty, so I didn't have. <sighs> That's to what buy. these oh, things are, man. These things are big cans. These are probably yeah. forty size cans. Yeah, that's that's probably what I would be into. I don't think I would want to buy a whole one uh, or like a, a whole six pack. Um, one I can wanna... says one pint, 16 ounces. So there you go. Oh, okay. They're, they're 16 right ounce cans. That's cool. Uh, yeah, uh, 
maybe I'll hop on their website and see if they have anything about um, locations and where you can find it and stuff. So I'll, yeah, I'll send I'll it to you now. There you go. Continue to keep my eyes peeled whenever I'm at the store, see if I can find some because that would be that'd be pretty cool. So yeah, look at that. Warheads, there you go, man. Dope. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So was, was that it or uh, you got anything? Oh, yeah. Else? No, that's all I got. I, I mostly okay. bring food related stuff to this segment anyways. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what I'm t- And it's beer. You know, we got beer. Beer is amazing. And uh, we don't need a reason to talk about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, good, sir. Let's uh, let's kick this shit off. So. Before we uh, jump in, I just want to first give a shout out to one of our uh, awesome Facebook group members. Um, his name is Robert Evans. Uh, he, uh, we've been going back casually, uh, going back and forth casually uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's given me a lot to think about in terms of uh, Dune, the the movie and the book and just the, the overall, like uh, how it came to be. He's given me a, like a lot of great information, like behind the scenes stuff and uh, just insight into the story itself. And I just wanted to throw him a quick shout out uh, and, and thank you for like just being a cool dude and, and talking to me about it and uh, like laying it all out there in layman's terms. So Robert, you're the man. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks, uh, Robert. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. Um, Dune overall thoughts and feelings, Mr. Zachary Wills. What did, what did you think of Dune part one? Fucking loved it. This might, yeah? be, this, this might be my new favorite thing to cling on to. It was, it was, it was that good. Yeah. It, even in the medium that I had to watch it because I'm I'm not going to a theater theater right now because of mm-hmm. uh, reasons, but I had to watch it like some on the TV and then some on the laptop, which sure. does zero justice. My one piece of advice would be find the biggest screen you can find <laughs> and watch it on that. Like if you're, if you are comfortable and able to go to a theater, do that because mm-hmm. this movie is epic beyond epic. I loved it. Yeah, I was very glad I had the opportunity to go see this in theaters. Um, I uh, it it blew me the fuck away. Honestly, I like all expectations of this were just totally blown out of the water. Like I, I can't I had a, imagine. I can't imagine a proper sound system with this. <laughs> right. It's it is nuts. Um. The what what's funny is that I I I think. I had better sound at home, like at the theater, obviously the best thing going for it is the, the size of the screen. Cause you're at the movies, duh. But at home, I, you know, I have my own surround sound system. Um, TV is I think 65 inches. Um, so respectable size, but obviously not the size of a, it's not a projector screen. It's not a, um, it's not a movie theater screen, but I do have surround sound. And so I was like, crank it up to 11 and then rip the knob off. Um, <laughs> and do like the surround sound is just fucking incredible. Uh, and I could definitely tell that like this was a Dolby Atmos thing. Are you kidding? Um, the, the, the fucking set, the score, the score mm-hmm. to this thing, man. 
Yeah. Did Did you know that Hans Zimmer turned down um, his uh, usual collaboration with Christopher Nolan in doing um, Tenet so he could do uh, Dune? Like no. No. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, so, he wanted it. He wanted it that bad. He's like, I want my name on it that bad. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's fucking Hans Zimmer. Like you only score the best movies ever, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the most epic mm-hmm. films. And he, he, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was like a vanity thing. Like I want my name attached to this or just, I'm assuming it was, he wanted the, um, the opportunity to score the movie and and i don't blame him because i don't think i would trust anyone else (laughs) with the score for this movie uh but yeah the the score and sound design for this movie were just um off the fucking charts amazing Uh, yeah um let's see so uh, what, what do we want to touch on first? I guess uh, so. Cinematography, I guess, would be would be a good one, right? I I, I meant to look up the the cinematography, um, not stats, the like the casting or not. What the fuck am I trying to say? Like the director of photography and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. But watching this fucking movie, like the big in. If you're watching on YouTube, I hope you're not because it's terrible, but the big like <laughs> open scenes is like that Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul is what we can relate it to because we talked about that when we talked about that. But right. these are just like these humongous scenes like this has to be. And I'm watching on my laptop. Keep that in mind and on and on my TV at home and as as you were, too. Mm-hmm. Um, this has to be what people felt in the 70s when they first saw Star Wars. Like that feeling has to be the same. That's what it was for me when I like, when I saw this movie, I don't mean to like overplay it or like be dramatic about it, but it was, it was that good for me. Like I'm I'm watching it on my laptop with my earbuds in the kitchen, like doing other stuff. And I'm like bouncing on the balls of my feet when the scene, when they first get on um, Arrakis. Mm-hmm. you know and and that there's a big dramatic scene and all that stuff but i'm like bouncing on the balls of my feet like this is fucking awesome i love this <laughs> yeah um i think my first holy shit moment was when uh, very close to that point when they were uh leaving caladan and and going to arrakis uh and mm-hmm. you see the ship coming up out of the water like it's just this entire movie looks fucking beautiful. Like you could make a, uh, a poster for your man cave or for your, uh, she shed, um, out of any fucking frame of this movie. But this scene in particular with the, the ship rising out of, out of the water or the ocean, whatever that is. Um, I, that was the moment in the theaters where I just, I shit my pants. I was like, I can't, I can't believe how fucking good this looks. And this is exactly the reason why I was excited to hear about Denis Villeneuve directing this movie is because he knows how to do special effects and practical effects and, Mm. and make things beautiful. And to see see this it like it just all looks real like you know it's not real you know that there's lots of cg going there's lots of you know special effects and 
and whatnot, but still, like it, it looks so damn good. It is a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I really need to get a 4K DVD player. Um, I, I've been trying to hold out for a PS5 because I could get one through the PS5. Uh, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe once those all those cargo ships dock, and they they unload <laughs> they unload the cargo. <laughs> I tell you what, that's uh, got some stuff fucked up. But when is that um um the new Harry Potter game supposed to come out? I, I haven't even looked at that. We can, we can talk about that later. But that's when I'm I don't know buy the PS5. So uh, Hogwarts Legacy is it? This sounds right. Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I, I, I don't li- even. I, I was paying close attention, but then I stopped. I don't know why, but that's going to be the reason I pick up the PS Five. <clears throat> yeah, when they first announced the game, uh, I don't think they had a date yet. I think it was just, um, just a trailer and like you know coming soon. So I'm gonna guess sometime in 2022. Gotcha. That, that's that's my guess uh but yeah that that's definitely not a uh bad time to wait because uh maybe by then ps5s will be readily available and you wouldn't have to um claw someone's face off in order to get one yeah so, apparently initial release date 2022 so i don't know okay how far along it's pushed back right on um so um let's uh let's dive back into a, a little bit of like book versus movie comparison stuff yeah uh so you say you read uh quite a bit of the book you, you said what about three quarters yeah probably about 75 percent. okay yeah i i think i made it about that far as well maybe a little bit more uh the audio book is i want to say like 24 or 20 excuse me, 24 or 25 hours long. And when I went to go see the movie, uh, I had only like three hours left of the book. So I don't know, you do the math. Um, But I personally, I was really glad that I, um, I read the book uh, or most of it before going to see the movie. I I've been in that kind of mode here the the last couple of years, uh, especially when it comes to comic books. Like I, I really like to try and check out some of the source material first before diving in because I've never been that way before. Like I've always gone to see the movie first and then had to mm-hmm. retroactively go back and either read the comic or read the book or whatever. Yeah. And you know, we were actually talking a little bit about this beforehand uh, before we recorded where you yeah. personally like to read the book first. So you have some mental Im- imagery and, yeah. and, and stuff to go off of it and, and like the Absolutely, name pronunciations. Yeah. Uh, so go, you can talk a little bit more about that. I don't, I don't want to speak for you. No, no, no. I, I didn't know if you were going to cut that out or not, but no, I prefer to watch a movie and then go read the book about it, especially in, in, in a thing like Dune mm-hmm. or like Lord of the Rings, because it gives me something to at least picture and it helps me like grasp what I'm reading. It's like names of pronunciations. Definitely. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. my dumb, dumb brain struggles with stuff, especially if it's not like, <laughs> didn't come to me in a Tennessee public school education. So yep. um, yeah, it, I have that, that mental image. And for me, that's better. I, I, I know a lot of people don't like to go that route, but I prefer to work backwards that way for yeah. me. I love no, that. I, yeah. That's totally understandable. Um, 
and, and watching this movie got me real motivated to like go back and reread the mm. book. So anybody who's right. out there fucking crowing, well, actually compared to the book or the original movie, you know what? Shut up. Because <laughs> this gets people interested in the thing that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And it, a rising tide raises all ships in this scenario. So just be grateful yeah. that people are, you know, on your team for this thing because it's amazing. Yeah, gatekeeping does nobody any fucking good. So No, no, no. This is a um, this is a very good thing. And there I did pick up on like some differences. Um even there was there was like a little stretch of time between like me reading the book and me seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it just gets people interested and in wanting to go back and actually read the book and they should because the book is absolutely incredible. It yeah. paints such a vibrant picture and tells such a in-depth story. It it really is a lot more than they're able to cram even into a two-part movie or yeah. a two-part story. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of which, so, uh, you know, this was kind of brought to my attention. I, I don't know if I would have really been able to pick up on all this subtext on my own. Uh, you know, my, my reading comprehension and just like, overall like understanding and ability to analyze uh very critically when it comes to books is somewhat limited because of my <laughs> dumb dumb brain david no really good <laughs> basically yes that, that is accurate um but uh, this was one of the things that robert uh liberated my mind on was uh the the breaking down of the quote-unquote white savior trope uh, so at the time, uh, you know, there were, uh, and when I say at the time, like the, the time that this book was published, which I think was the seventies. Um, yes. Hang on. I'll find out. Um, the, uh, there, there was a lot of sci-fi novels being written with a lot of um, 65. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. So, uh, not, not too far off. Um, but th- there's like a lot of like white savior or like savior tropes in, especially in sci-fi. And that's what was selling. And the author, Frey Kerbert was like pressured to, uh, like when he wanted to write this book, he was pressured by publishers to, um, write his story in a way that reflected everything that's come before it and just be another like drop in the bucket basically but it would be something that would sell uh so you know typical okay you know like studios and publishers etc like covering their asses wanting to protect their financial investment mm-hmm. and, uh, making it uh digestible for the masses i guess okay well frank herbert was like fuck y'all um i'm gonna i'm gonna quote unquote give you what you want but i'm going to sneakily stick my subtext underneath the surface so that only true fans will be able to tell that's and that's exactly what he did um Hmm. so uh what uh what happened was he like i said he did end up writing the book in a way that could be perceived as a like a, a savior story um but really underneath the surface um it's uh it's kind of like the anti-savior story uh if you think about it like uh it, herber had a quote 
apparently a pretty famous quote saying, I wrote the Dune series because I had this idea that charismatic leaders ought to come with a warning label, warning label on their forehead, maybe dangerous to your health, (laughs) Hmm. which I thought was pretty interesting, uh, but also hilarious. Um, Hmm. So I'm sitting here trying to think there's, there's, there's no way I would have probably picked up on that just because I'm not that depth or I didn't read it that way. Probably given my background, but right. I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying to pick up on like, okay, so I'm looking at Paul, by the way, Paul, um, mm-hmm. all, all, all the names in this universe and Paul. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's something that I thought was really funny. It is like, you Paul know, and Jessica, In a lot of like sci-fi and fantasy novels like Game of Thrones, like you have all kinds of like crazy, interesting names like Dario Naharis and Khal Drogo. Yeah, all kinds of shit. And in Dune, you have Paul and Duke and Jessica. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, all right, this is the kind of fucking sci-fi novel that's been missing from my life. Hell yeah. Yeah, Like devil horns all the way. (laughs) And Paul's best friend, Dave. No, um, (laughs) no, I'm trying to, I I guess like the hero can be a danger or a villain or however you said it. I mean, there's like, there's a lot of fragility, especially in this movie and like the first half of the book, because you have quote, the white savior, but he's absolutely a danger to himself and to others along Mm -hmm. with his mom, Jessica, right? There's a lot, there's a lot of potential there for it to go completely wrong. And it it just kind of shakes out. And it's kind of like, I kind of pick up this sort of idea of manifestation. Like, okay, yeah, Paul's the chosen one, right? But Mm -hmm. it's because the Ben Jesserit went to this world and just sort of started to sow the story yeah. into the culture, right? Which it was already there. They just kind of went in and bled it in there. And whether he was or he wasn't, if you're watching the movie and you didn't read the book, maybe it's a manifestation of like, okay, he had it in him the whole time. And this just kind of like gave him the tip. You know what I mean? Sure. Maybe he wasn't like born a messiah necessarily, but this kind of like pushed him that little bit further. Yeah. Um, Does that make any sense? No, that, that makes uh, total sense. And, and it actually just jogged my memory of one of the, uh, the first scenes in the movie. It, it was definitely before they left um, Caladan, but uh, it, it was back. Uh, it was when Paul met um, uh, his dad, Leto, up on the like the the hill i I guess those are all graves right yeah that's what they that's what they uh, made it seem like for sure yeah um he he met him up there and they uh, the scene was like coming to an end and uh paul says something to the effect of like what what if i don't want it like what if i don't want this title and you know they they have this really like really palpable bonding father son moment that I just, I loved so much. Like maybe it's just because like I'm a dad, you know, you, you can maybe tell me uh, if you related a little bit to this Zach, but no, I felt that he, he basically said, you know, what if I don't want it? And the dad was like, what if you don't, what if you don't want it? 
you like, know, and if that's the case, you'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. And that's my son. And like, like saying it right now is giving me fucking chills. Like I just want to cry, like curl up in the fetal <laughs> position and cry. Cause yeah, like, I know, I know, I know. I, I cry at the drop of a hat with anything to do with my kids anyway. So, or my yeah. kid. Yeah. And, um, but no, I, I thought that was great. And like, just that little, that, that scene together, like helped set up like, uh, the influence that his dad had on him and it's human. You uh, you gotta, you gotta humanize the character, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that, that was one of the things that I was kind of concerned about of the, uh, the, the transition from book to movie is that, obviously with the book you can be as long as you want but with the movie it's you're you're restricted to you know mm-hmm. two and a half hours in this in this instance but i was like how are they going like the duke he dies like <laughs> basically in the first act of the movie like clo- close to like the end of the first act and so how the hell are they going to drive this point that like they you know him and him and his mom have a connection and they get to explore that, you know, so many times throughout the book. Uh, but you only have a a limited amount of time between, uh, Leto and Paul. And so I was concerned about how they were going to do that on screen, if they'd be able to do that on screen and really make the audience give a damn about the two characters and their connection to each other. And I thought they did a great job with that. Um, I, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was perfect. I don't know. That's just yeah. me. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, let's see what else. Um, what were some of the other, uh, aspects of the movie that you really enjoyed? I mean, oh. we talked about the sound and the cinematography. Yeah. Um, what, what did you think about the, uh, the tech, like the, the thopters and the still suits and shields? And <laughs> I the, was the eager, eager to see how they portrayed like the, the still suits in particular, because in mm-hmm. the book, it's kind of hard to grasp. And it, yes. Very hard to grasp. It feels, it feels like they did a great job, honestly. Yeah. They really, they really put the work into it. Um, the the thopters what do they call them the uh i i think it's thopters for short is it ornithopters mm. ornithopters or or ornithopters i don't know hang on i, I want to get this right dune yeah, I... thopter yeah i think ornithopter cuz that that's another hard one to get when you're reading the book um that's yeah. hard to really get a picture in your mind in the in the scene where um, they're fleeing after the attack um, on on like um, Iraq and from um, Harkonnen. Is that is that the uh, the antagonist, uh, the Harkonnens? Uh, yes. Right. So they're like bombing the planet, and everybody's fleeing, right? And they, right, and, they right. and they get in the ornithopter, and they're like flying away, and they evade attack, obviously. But then they fly into the storm. That point in the book. Mm. I had to like reread it like twice and I still couldn't get my head around what was actually oh, happening. Yeah. And the, he, they really did a good job in the movie. That was a pretty cool thing where it was just like, Jesus take the wheel moment where he shuts everything <laughs> down. 
and yes, just let it ride, baby. And he's like, okay, we're at what five thousand kilometers, which was the recommended height from um, uh, what was her name who helped him get out? Oh, uh, Leah Kynes. Yes, um, she you know, told him, you know, get to this altitude and you'll be all right. And they couldn't because they were being attacked, whatever, but, and they right. got there and he fires it back up and they take off. And that, that was really hard to grasp in the book. And that for me was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Ornithopter still suits. I think those are the only things that I was looking forward to seeing how they, obviously sandworms. Okay. Uh, we, we all wanted yes. to see what they were going to do with that. Cause that's, they had to get that right. Yes, the shy hood. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, we'll we'll touch on the sandworms here in just a minute. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the tech, though. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, the thopters I thought were badass. Like when you first see them take flight, uh, like you see like their their wings how they flap. I was like, that is so fucking cool. <laughs> By the way, frustrating as shit for me, given my background. But I, I I accept it completely as sci-fi. Yeah, you're gonna have to. Yeah. Um, I, I just ate that when some, I was like, all right, all right. You're gonna have to do some suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. uh, with because yeah. uh, it is it is sci-fi. So very um, cool though, very cool. Yeah, it's super dope. Um, I thought uh, the still suits is it's it's one of my favorite pieces of tech i've ever read or seen in a movie like it's like granted it's not very um mine too it's it's not the most mind-blowing or interesting thing to look at it's it's a very simple concept but the things that it does it is just absolutely incredible like the Mm. way that um the Fremen have adapted to living on this planet with very, very limited water. Um, they have managed to make this suit that you wear that recycles. Like I forget the percentage of water that they say it saves, but it's like 98% or something. Oh, it, was, like that. it was like most of it. Like you only have yeah. like a 5% loss or something like that. Hang on. Yeah. Um, no, it, yeah. So that's, I, for for whatever reason, I don't exactly know why, but I just found the still suits fascinating. Oh, I did um, too. Just their ability to like what they do and their ability to like conserve water, because like it's. So it, they it, say it reduces the water loss to a thimbleful a day. That's the that's the phrase that's they right. use. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I remember them saying that. Which is if you if you had to math that out, ninety nine percent at least, right? Only through uh, like speaking yeah. and breathing, you probably lose five percent at least. Yeah, uh, that, that's basically like your uh, when you account for spillage. Uh, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> that's basically your um, your uh, your accounting. So um, another thing that I thought was super cool, uh, like the, the shields, like their, their own personal shields. And then the, yeah, like, the shields yeah, yeah, that yeah, they yeah, have yeah. over like the, uh, I, I can't remember what the, um, the machines are that actually mine the salt. I, I, I just caught in my notes. Uh, thank you. Spice, uh, like the spice mining, uh, spice miners, uh, and then the spice mining carriers, I thought were fucking dope. Like when you see it land for the first time on top of one and then like the big balloons just go up. I was like, holy shit, like even more cool shit. Mm -hmm. Like 
this this movie is just it should just be like dune the cool movie <laughs> yeah hang on this is just a cursory google search because i i literally before we started recording this got done watching the movie probably a half an hour before right yeah so collect it they just call them spice harvesters oh yeah yeah that sounds right uh but yeah uh, oh uh dropped by carrier ships the carrier ships are known as carriels so i don't know if they mentioned that in the movie at all but uh yeah that that does sound familiar um if i was worth my weight uh in anything i would have made notes like especially the second time i watched this movie because it was at home i would have made notes because we knew i knew we knew that we were going to do an episode on this fucking movie and it would have been the smart thing to do to like make notes of all these things that i would i knew i was going to have to talk about i wish i i wish i had a chance to watch it twice and i'm, I'm gonna go watch it in theaters the first chance that i'm like comfortable with doing it mm-hmm. but i was I was like, had my notes app open and I was going to like start punching shit out, but I got so fucking wrapped up in the movie that I was like, like up against the screen. Cause it was on my computer and I was just like, <laughs> right, right fucking here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, let's see. Uh, we mentioned shy Hulud, the, the sandworms. Um, briefly uh you want to talk about them for a second i don't know what i expected but i'm glad i got what i got <laughs> same I'll put, I'll, I'll put it that way yeah very much the same and and, and the chris knife um which in my head i was saying christ knife i don't know mm-hmm. why um which again which is why i like watching the movie and then going back and reading the book um that I guess it's what I had in my in in my mind when I was reading. Sure. But yes. Yeah, I I was uh, when I was listening to the audiobook and I heard Chris Knife, um I wasn't uh, like I'm I'm sure I well it, it did explain that it was made from the tooth of the sandworm, but that was probably a small detail that uh, got read to me. And then I immediately forgot because of my <laughs> brain. <laughs> really? That's the whole thing. Yeah, I, I know. Um, but I, like, it, it's, I forgot cause I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> I, I, so you're going to, ha- you're going to hear me apologize for being a fucking moron a lot. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, uh, so just a, a heads up and FYI, but, um, I I loved the Chris knife. Uh, it just really all the weapons, the shields, like they were. I thought the shields were really cool. Um, <laughs> I, I was gonna say, uh, did you see that meme that I shared in the the Facebook group? Uh, I think it was mm. yesterday. The um, uh, it, I think it was Arrakis runs on Duncan. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, and it was like spelled Duncan as in Duncan, Idaho. <laughs> yeah, let me right, let me see good. if I can. Yeah, let me see if I can find it. Because uh, there was like a, a sub headline to it um, <clears throat> that was also really funny. Uh, let's see where did it where did it go? Did I share it to the group or maybe it was on my own personal page? 
This is making for electrifying radio. This is so good. Yeah. Uh, come on. Where is it? Where is it? Where is David it? is scrolling through his news feed. I am. Will he find it? Where the fuck did it go? All right. Anyways, well, uh, if I find it and it turns out that I did not share it to the the Facebook group, then I will go back and share it. Um, but yeah, that I I thought that was hilarious. That <laughs> Arrakis runs on Duncan. <laughs> so so damn good. Um, so uh, so you said you weren't really sure what to expect with the sandworms, but you you were happy no, with how because how can you? How can yeah. you, how can you form an image and be like, okay, make it. And I, I don't know. I, I loved it. I love what they did, especially there towards the end where you had that moment of the sandworm over Paul. And I probably didn't get there in the book. So I don't know if that was like canon or whatever, but you had to do it right for the movie. You got to have the reveal of the fucking sandworm for the audience. Cause that's what everybody wants to see. And he's like, Oh, I do remember that. I do remember that because they set off the thumper a ways away to call off the sandworm. I remember that from the book now. So when he's like over Paul and he's like looking, I'm using air quotes, looking down at him and you get right. like that full view of just the gaping maw of all the like teeth that look like just you pulled meat apart and that like sinewy look of like the teeth folding into the center yeah just crazy just fucking crazy and that's exactly what i didn't know i wanted it to be (laughs) right because i was thinking like actual teeth like rows and rows of like shark's teeth like moving in like to a center spot right but this was just way better way better yeah um i so i i guess i had the added advantage uh, if you want to call an advantage of having the um the sandworms like preformed for me uh like you you read this book a while ago correct Eh, over a year ago probably okay yeah so by the time the first trailer had come out for this movie i hadn't started the book yet uh, so I started the book after, uh, you know, I saw the initial trailer with the initial shot of the sandworm. So going in, like I, I had a mental image of what the, um, what the sandworm was supposed to look like. Um, so, I, so I had that, but I hadn't even seen a trailer. Honestly, I had not seen a single trailer before seeing the movie. Really? Yeah. Not a trailer. I have no Did, idea why it just never, I, I like, I, I don't watch TV. I don't take in a lot of like content outside of like YouTube. And so and it just never came across and I never like paused on it to watch it. Huh? But I knew I was anxious to see the movie. That's if that, uh, if that makes sense, but I, I wouldn't watch a trailer. I don't know why. I guess I just wanted to be hit with it all at once. Yeah. That's uh that's interesting. Um, I have never done, anything like that for uh for a movie um well you make a podcast that talks about the upcoming stuff so (laughs) i i don't really have much of a choice there (laughs) but for me i i went cold into it i i purposefully didn't watch it that's that's impressive 
Yeah, that's that's impressive. I I don't think even if I didn't run a podcast, I don't think I could have the uh, the the patience to um, to do that. <laughs> like uh, I remember, I worked with this guy, uh, or you might have worked with him too. Uh, someone um, that worked at Olive Garden. I remember he was uh, talking oh, about the OG. an OG. Um, he was talking about how he he did that for the dark night like uh he closed his eyes and plugged his ears anytime he went to the theater and they played a trailer uh and okay. he just avoided everything online um mm-hmm. of course this is, ba- this is back in 2008 so like uh i think youtube was a thing back then but it is not the youtube that uh it is now sure um so it wasn't like the go-to place for like movie trailers and stuff. Um, <clears throat> so it probably was a little bit easier back then to, to avoid a movie trailer. But I was like, man, that would be a really awesome experience to like go into the dark night and not have any prior knowledge of what any, that would be wild. That would like. be wild. Yeah. Especially Heath Ledger's Joker. Like, yeah, that would be crazy. Um, but anyways, um, so let's see. Were there any moments uh, from the book that you thought were translated very well onto the screen? Hmm. Any anything that you can think of? Um, and, and if if you need some time to think, um, I have a couple. No, I, I got one that actually stuck out. Okay. The scene after the betrayal of the doctor. What was his name? Let me search it. Uh, Doctor. Hang on. I'll click this. Chang Chen, I guess, is the actor's name, but he played Doctor. Oh, God. The one who betrayed him, right? Uh, Yes. uh, Doctor Yui. Yes, there you go. So. Whoa, maybe I have the wrong guy then. I don't want to get it wrong. Okay, but Dr. Yui doesn't matter. So Dr. Yui portrays uh, Duke. And there's a scene later on because because he like he tries to like vindicate himself. He's like, okay, they have my wife. Um, Mm -hmm. They're apparently torturing her and sending me pieces of her. And then um, he's like, I'm going to give you fuck you for sending me that <laughs> yeah i finally found it I, I didn't find it on social media but i did find it in just a, a cursory group google search so all right. All the, right, fu- the duncan idaho <laughs> arrakis runs on duncan all right fuck you for what for well, i want to make something sorry <laughs> i want to make that into a tumblr <laughs> i'll buy it <laughs> but um the um so he betrays the duke right and he's like they have mm-hmm. my wife they're torturing her they're dismembering her and he vindicates himself kind of, I guess, in mm-hmm. the eyes of the audience by giving him a proxy tooth, sort of like 1960s spy style. Right. And that apparently he already has and he just re- like replaces it. So that's like, I guess, a trope that was already there. And he's like, if you time it right, you bite this and breathe out, you're going to fill the room with poison. Mm-hmm. and it's going to be your last 
last breath. And if you time it right, it will also be the Barons, right? So right. that scene to me actually played out how I pictured it. Okay. Because that's a pretty, pretty prominent scene, right? So Very that, much that so. one to me stuck out. Yeah, uh, th- uh, that was a that was an excellent scene actually i um you know uh, of course a pretty big holy shit moment like you you realize like oh my god something they got him right right? you you think they got him and then yeah and and then you come to find out that uh dr huey's like sold them all out or like he has this like one small uh, like kind of small but not so small redeeming factor uh in his favor that he's giving the uh, giving the Duke the opportunity to take down um, the the Baron, um, and of course Baron and his fucking floaty stilts, uh, he was <laughs> he was able to to escape the the poison gas, uh, but he he did eighty six fucking everyone else in that mm-hmm. uh, that room. Uh, fucking Baron. He had to go take a a nice long seventy two hour oil bath after that. Yeah, wasn't that weird? What was that? Do do you remember from the know. book like what that is? Like some kind of healing solution that looks like the fucking yeah. tar and like the tar pits or something. It, it yeah, it just looked like it kind of looked like um oil and balsamic vinegar like floating together in in a uh, tub but yeah it's uh yeah my assumption is that uh you know from context and what they said in that scene that that's just it's a vat of healing Mm. properties Um, okay that's what i gathered yeah but uh yeah i i thought that scene was great um one of my favorites was the all alternating scenes um between um the uh where you have the uh the baron and uh duke leto uh you know that that scene where it's um you know all leading up to the duke biting down on his tooth and releasing the poison gas and it's going back and forth between that scene and then Jessica and Paul in that, uh, that sand tent. Yeah. Uh, I, I, of course I don't fucking know the name for that either. I'll just call it a sand tent. Um, but it's like at the, this is very much how I picture this in the book, even though the book isn't written this way, that there, there are two events that happen one after another, even though they are kind of taking place at the same time. Um, I thought they did a great job of it's, I mean, I don't want to put it in terms of like, it's like star Wars and the force and they can feel when people die. But like in, in the book, that's kind of what happens is like, Paul has this moment where like, not only does he unwrap that note um, from Dr. Yui and he sees the, sees the ring, um, he also has this uh this overwhelming feeling of like all of a sudden like he's he's been giving powers uh of like the duke and of like the this uh this potential savior that he might supposed to be um so i i just i really enjoyed that scene and how they handled it, the the back and forth 
um, alternating between um, the the two settings. So mm-hmm. I, I really like that. Yeah, I was watching that scene with them in the tent, and I was trying to remember back <laughs> from the, to uh, hit my mic to the book, and I couldn't remember what that felt like when I was reading it. But mm-hmm. I, I remember it being pretty purdy, purdy pivotal. Um, yeah, because it was like that transition to my favorite part of the book was when they joined the Freeman and they start like learning their ways. And yes. Going through that whole journey. That was my personal favorite part. Don't get me wrong. I, I loved it all, but for me, that's when I really like dialed in. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, another scene that I was pretty happy with um, and how they translated it to the screen was Paul's battle uh, or fights Fight, with fight, um, with fight fight <laughs> with Jameis, um, yeah. I uh, that that was that was definitely one of my favorite parts in the book. So I was looking forward to seeing how they handled it in the movie, and I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, they didn't do, in my opinion, a good job of explaining. And maybe this will come like as like a before thought and like the the like the the pre part of the movie of the part two or whatever how you, however you sure. say it when they actually harvest the water yeah from the person that's been killed mm-hmm. because in the book pretty in depth um yes how, how they harvest the water from the remains of someone that's been killed when he invokes the right of whatever that he called it yeah um yeah i i forget what that is the the right of like they they had the cloth or whatever sort of fabric they like wrap it in but they they in the book they go into like how they actually like drain the body of moisture right sort of like a mummification thing i guess i don't know but yeah and they're on like a time crunch too like it has to be done clock starts yeah yeah um and so it you know, I, I know we're jumping ahead of ourselves here, but you know, fuck it. It's, it's all right. Whatever. Um, the, there's a, a, a point where I, I forget who it is, but it's, it's someone on team Caladan or whatever, where they're like, what the hell is going on? Like, you're, you're not going to have like a burial. You're not going to say like a eulogy or something like that. And they're like, like, no, that's, that's not how we treat our dead. Right. Um, and it, I just, I loved it. Like I thought it was one of those really cool, like um, cross cultural learning moments that you get in books and movies where like one culture does uh, handles death one way and another culture handles death another way. And um, it's one of the reasons why I love uh, Midsommar so much is, uh, is because, you know, they, they have such a, a different outlook on on life and death and when the americans come to the midsummer festival um they are shooketh what is that midsummer you haven't seen midsummer um let's see um go watch it i think you'll like it um what what is it a movie um what's it called midsummer or midsummer Um, oh okay uh it's is it all uh, one word yes uh, it's currently streaming on amazon prime for free so you can watch it that way oh mid so like s-o-m-m-a-r yes midsummer. Uh, so, okay yeah like if you're gonna say midsummer uh like traditional s-u-m-m-e-r just swap the oh, u out okay. for the o okay yeah okay 
Um, but yeah, uh, it's uh, it's kind of like that. But yeah, I I really liked the fight between Paul and uh, Jameis. Uh, how like, you know, he's like, you know what? I call bullshit. You're going to have to prove yourself. And it's a fight to the death. Uh, <laughs> and Paul was like, knuck if you buck. <laughs> right. And like, I just loved Zendaya's, uh, like her, her, a couple of lines there where she's like, Hey, don't worry about it, dude. It's all right. He's a, he's a good fighter. He's not going to let you suffer. And he, he's just you, standing there like, all right, bitch. Thanks for the vote of confidence. You're going to die. Here's a special knife. Don't, <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Right. She's like, I am so confident that you're going to get your dick cut off. I'm going to give you like the best knife that there is. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, um, there was another uh, cultural moment when the Atreides first arrive on Arrakis and the Freeman, I guess, representative who he meets with. Do you remember who that was? I can't remember. Like that very first moment where he was like, abrupt and short and everybody oh was like, uh that's um uh that's stillgar that, yeah uh, yeah played so, by javier bardem yes so when he shows up that moment was cool to me because this is somebody who's fucking lived in a hot ass desert surrounded mm-hmm. by sandworms and danger and he just did not kowtow to the formalities of nope these these foreign i guess invaders he was just like yeah Yeah, i'm just gonna fuck i'm gonna speak plainly and directly and i'm not gonna do your bullshit and i thought that was that was okay i kind of get people who like live off the land and have to actually deal with hardships every day Mm -hmm. aren't gonna fucking waste time and that was the thing it's like they're not gonna waste time yeah with all that yeah like this was something that you know they they did a good job driving the point home in the book but um in, in the movie i i mean there there's several instances in the movie where you get the idea that hey like water is scarce and we need to savor every last drop of what we can get mm-hmm. but um they kind of made this moment in the movie like funny and it might be one of the very, very, very few things that didn't sit completely 100% well with me. Um, it, it was, it was, it's fine. Um, but like, you know, he comes in and, you know, they, they say a few lines back and forth and he like spits and they take it as an insult because I'm sure, you know, you see someone spitting kind of insulting. Um, but, uh, you know, Duncan, he's kind of the one he's like, thank you for your, your sacrifice of, uh, of, of, you know, what, what do you say? Sacrifice of fluids or yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was, I mean, it, you know, it, it was a humorous moment, uh, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, in my mind, it seemed like, uh, they were going to do something a little bit closer to the book where, it was going to be more of like a teachable moment where they're like, Hey, like spitting is a sign of, but you know, spitting in a movie, it's kind of abrupt and, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I guess like when you see it, that's probably something they had to workshop for a while. That moment. Right? Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. But um, no, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of ha- Javier Bardem play Stilgar because he's one of my favorite characters. Um, oh, I'm looking looking forward to seeing more of all this. I'm this is my new favorite thing. This is yeah. so cool. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I'm definitely going to try and watch it one more time before it leaves HBO max. Um, if not, I'll definitely be buying the, uh, the Blu-ray whenever it comes out. So, um, let's see, Zach, you, you got everything else. I I think I'm for the most part, I'm all talked out on this. I I think I've said my piece for the most part. Yeah. I'm pretty tapped out. There were a few moments that were kind of cagey with the, uh, with the dialogue and the acting, nothing like stands out. There was like one or two spots where I was like, "Mm, all right. I think it was from Paul, maybe because he's like a younger actor. I don't know. Far be it for me to criticize anybody's acting because I do not act, but Mm -hmm. there was a few moments where I was, it kind of gave me pause. Like, is that the best they could have done with that moment or sure with, with that line? But you know, nine out of 10, eight out of 10 for me, because it was, just that good yeah i i think i i gave it a, a five stars on um, my my letterbox rating um mm-hmm. do, do you use letterboxd at all zach no but you told me about it yeah it's probably should. something that i should be using it it's come in handy uh a lot for me especially back in october when i was watching all the the horror movies that i was yeah um, you were really plowing through them there bud dude yeah i i watched I don't know. Between like the the last week of September and the end of October, I I probably watched like forty five horror movies. God, like, all right, it was fucking ridiculous. I, I went hard in the paint with that shit. But yeah, uh, Letterbox was a great way to kind of keep up with it all and then give it like a rating afterwards. So yeah, it's just a, a fun little thing. Um, and by the way, like Letterbox does not sponsor this podcast. Thank you, Letterbox, for sponsoring this podcast. Shout out. If anyone from Letterbox is listening and you would like to sponsor this podcast or at least set up some sort of a affiliate link, um, you can Venmo would... me a thousand dollars and we'll call it good <laughs> for show for show. Got to get that for show. Um, all right. So let's jump into our shit that does not suck. Shall we? Okay. Shit that doesn't suck. book for dune pick up the book for dune even if you're not a reader pick up the audiobook um if you think you might like the movie you're definitely gonna like the book that's what i'll say because i have i haven't ventured out on any, anything really new um this past week or two so i will say that though dope yeah that's uh that's not a bad shit that doesn't suck is is the book that's that's good and uh it that's cool because uh, my shit that doesn't suck is also a book granted it's a book with pictures um mm-hmm. i.e a comic book but uh it is a book nonetheless with with words in it um my shit that doesn't suck is arkham asylum a serious house on serious earth uh it's a just a one-off batman comic book that i've had my possession for like a year now and finally got around to reading because uh, i've just been so busy but 
Um, this came recommended by uh, our old co-host Ted. Uh, he is a huge fan of everything and anything Batman, especially the comic books. And uh, this came recommended by him. I read it and it is amazing. Um, I don't want to dive too deep into it because it is a pretty deep and heady read. Uh, but it's uh, just simple uh, concept uh, overview uh, or plot overview. Uh, Bat- Batman is called uh, by Commissioner Gordon because the inmates have overtaken Arkham Asylum and you get like the entire uh, rogues gallery, more or less. So you have Joker, Two-Face, uh, Killer Croc, a uh, bunch of others uh, that you interface with in this book. So it's it's kind of a cool book to kind of like get a, uh, a history lesson on Arkham Asylum and uh interface with uh, a bunch of common batman villains um but it is dark it is deep it is heady so uh beware but it it sounds like it yeah uh, it's also got some of the most out of this fucking world um illustrations um let's see who does uh let's see artist dave mckean um is the the credited artist for uh for this book and it's it's fucking incredible the 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 artwork in this book it's um it's insane (laughs) i'll just put it that way Uh, you just you just have to go look at it um maybe i'll drop some pictures in social media um so do it um anyways uh zach you got anything else before we uh peace out this bitch no i don't think so dope well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, as always, subscribe to the podcast. We're on all uh, podcast app platforms. Uh, find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But we are the most active on our uh, Facebook group. Uh, there will be a link for that in the description below. So click on that and follow it. It's free to join. Um, Soon to be meta group, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, meta group. Um Leave us a rating and review uh, that uh, on uh, basically it's like Apple Podcast or Stitcher. Uh, I think are the two options. Uh, five stars or one star, none of this middle of the road bullshit. You commit to the bit. Um, I think that's uh, that's about it. So uh, be kind, stay geeky, and eat lots of cheesecake. Bye bye. Love you. Bye.